We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Most Tuesdays are just Tuesdays, except at Buffalo Wild Wings, where Tuesdays are Wing Tuesdays. But now even Wing Tuesdays aren't just Wing Tuesdays, because Wing Tuesdays are half-price Wing Tuesdays, which means your boring Tuesday that became Wing Tuesday now costs you half as much. In case you're confused, we have half-price Wing Tuesdays. We do it for you. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. Prices and participation vary. See participating locations for details. Void were prohibited. Welcome to the Rotowire Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit on DraftKings. I'm going to get you a free contest entry today. All right, it is Tuesday, March 8th, the year 2016. Nick Whalen here with DJ Trainer, uh, the usual Tuesday pairing on the Rotowire Basketball Podcast. It is 68 degrees in Madison, Wisconsin, and there is nothing more cliche than small talking about the weather, whether it's on a podcast or just around the office, but 68 degrees. For people who live in Wisconsin or in northern states, like this is this is basically a holiday. I jumped out of bed this morning. Usually when I wake up around you know 8.30, I'm you know groggy, and the last thing I want to do is actually get out of bed, but I left my window open last night and like you know breathed in the breath of fresh air. My room is warm for the first time in six months, so... 
this this for me is is like a huge huge day. It's the first day where I don't you know I go home from work and it's not half dark out already, and it just feels like the day is ten hours long. So maybe you're not quite as excited as I am. I can see you're, you're smirking at my over enthusiasm, but. Big, big day in Madison, Wisconsin. It's just like so obvious that you've lived in Wisconsin your whole life. Oh, yeah. I guess you haven't. So that's No, cool. I haven't. I've been here tortured for the last five years or so. But I agree. It is a great, great day in Madison. And there's nothing like kicking it off with a little small talk. It does feel great. Excited to see people wearing shorts. And of course, yes. what this means for a lot of people is it's officially shorts weather no matter how cold it gets over the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's always fun to watch some people look really dumb. Once you wear shorts... Once you kind of get in that zone where it's hard to go back to pants for like a week or two, and then you start looking at the weather, and it's like forty six. Yeah, I can wear shorts for that. Yeah, I mean it's only going to get down to thirty eight tonight. Yeah, one of our interns is actually wearing shorts today. Good for him. I think he's the only one to to do it. I noticed that right away. Our new intern, Max. Shout out to Max, uh, sporting some nice khaki cargos. Um, a great look, of course, and a look that I'm sure we'll see a lot more of over the next couple of months. Hey, man, I will say I was at Banana Republic over the weekend. They got their shorts out. and Love Collection? Did you see he recently signed on as a... I don't know, uh, how, I, I don't know how I feel about this. I love Banana Republic. Anyway, I love Banana Republic, but it's pretty expensive. It's pretty pricey. Let's just say that um, looking forward to my next paycheck because I am all set for my summer clothes this year. Thank you, Banana Republic. Did you, did you have like an advance? Do you have like a Banana Republic account <laughs> that you had to pay off? No, I'm doing just fine. But I definitely dropped maybe the most I have ever dropped at a department store without buying a suit. Mm-hmm. But I'm all set for Not the summer. I'm Yeah, I'm, I'm all ready for the summer. I don't need right. to buy any clothes this summer. So there's that. Well, good for you. Man, I haven't done my summer shopping quite yet, but I don't know if I'm going to go as... As upscale as Banana Republic, I usually sit in you know the the Forever Twenty One, the the Gap, you know your H and M's, yeah, places like that. A lot of bargains to be had. Speaking of bargains, you can be part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official DFS partner of RotoWire. With DFS, you don't need to spend months micromanaging a roster. You can play whenever you want. Pick a new team every time you play. Challenge your friends in a custom league to prove that you're the superior GM. Or you can square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com now, enter the promo code ROTOHOOPS, R-O-T-O-H-O-O-P-S, to play free. DraftKings, the official partner of RotoWire. Again, that promo code is ROTOHOOPS, and you can use that at DraftKings.com. First topic, I think we need to talk about the Warriors, a team that really hasn't gotten much pub uh, nationally this (laughs) season. They got their first real negative publicity in a while um, over the weekend with that loss to the Lakers. I think lucky for them, they kind of hit it on a Sunday evening when there maybe wasn't as many eyes on the NBA as there would have been had that maybe been a Friday night or Thursday night uh, marquee game. But they lose to the Lakers in horrific fashion, really, by Warriors standards on Sunday night. But I think as you and I, uh, we talked about on our XM radio show yesterday morning, we expected a pretty heavy bounce back for the Warriors, and that's really exactly what happened in Orlando. They only win by six. Uh, but it, but never a game that you really felt was out of hand uh, or out of the Warriors' control. I know. It, it was only six points, though, so let's not get carried away. Right. It does matter. I mean, the points matter. They did have their second, third units on the court. and well, so right. I mean, they were up, what, 17, I think, going into the fourth. Uh, but still, you know, it, it, this, isn't, this hasn't maybe been as dominant of a run quite as we've seen you know, early in the season for Golden State. I mean, are you worried at all that they're, they're playing teams like this a little bit closer than we'd expect? No, because they're still coming away with a win. Obviously, they didn't do that against the Lakers, but if you look at Draymond Green last night who had an illness and only took three shots, so obviously that's pretty tough. 
Yeah, that's that's part of it uh, as well. Draymond Green not at 100% um, last night. And I think some people, the Warriors have played so well and have really been so dominant that it's easy to forget that these are NBA teams that they're going against. And, you know, for a lot of teams, a six-point win against a, a pretty talented Magic team that has some guys. Easy, easy, easy with that pretty talented. talented. Come on. Some guys. That's, that's a fact. They have some guys on the team. They do. They have like 14 or 15 of them. But... I think we, we're so used to them blowing teams out and just completely dominating, you know, at least three quarters of the game when they're when they're, you know, first unit or second unit are in there, that when they only win by six, it almost you start to get worried. When for a normal team, for twenty eight other teams in the league, this is a fine normal victory. Yeah, yeah, that's completely right. They're going to be just fine. They're still on pace to break the record. No worries out there. They're going to have their lumps and bruises, but they're the important thing is that their lumps and bruises is a six point win over Orlando. Yeah. I mean, let's thinking because they're winning games. Yeah, you're doing something right, and I think the Draymond factor is real. One point in this one, and he missed shoot around. I, I don't, I didn't really read up on how sick he. So was, he, yeah, he woke up with sick. strep throat. He had to have an ID, IV. Excuse me. He's going to be on antibiotics. Gosh, <laughs> bionics. He's going to be. Uh, yeah, he's going to be suspended from the league shortly, I apparently, think, yeah. uh, for the next 14 days. Um, obviously, you know, in terms of momentum and trying to break this record, they really did need him to play. If it was a normal situation where you know they just rattled off eight wins they would probably have rested him but coming off that Lakers loss I think he forced himself onto the court and everyone was just fine with that Draymond's scoring has been down quite a bit he ha- he's still been very effective as a rebounder effective as a defender and especially more effective it seems as a passer but that's kind of gun- that's kind of been concordant with his scoring going down he only takes three shots in this one and maybe this one's a little bit more of an anomaly just because of the illness uh, but you know you look at his recent his recent game logs really since the all-star break obviously there's the big blow up um in the okc game a couple weeks ago and that's what really i think called attention to this and you know i don't think that was a one game thing i think that was uh you know an emotional explosion i guess uh that was kind of brought on by a few frustrating games he's only taken uh double digit shots four times since the end of january and he closed january with four games of less than 10 shots as well when you play with Curry and Thompson, there aren't just going to be 15 to 20 shots laying around for you every game. But still, this is a guy who, you know, for the entire month of December, took at least 12 shots in all but two games. So he's maybe taking on a different role. It hasn't really seemed to impact their success at all. Do you think Draymond needs to be more of a scorer as this team preps for the playoffs or are they fine kind of having him maybe step back into even more of a distributor role no I think they're just fine with him being a distributor um and I tell you what his kind of fall from scoring points has coincided with Clay Thompson taking more of that load and I'm just fine with that so over the last 17 games Thompson is averaging 26 points if we want to go back and look at the beginning of the season Thompson really didn't start off that hot whatsoever and actually Draymond Green carried him so in the first uh let's see here in the first First 17 games of the season, Clay Thompson is only averaging 16 points. And so as Draymond Green's scoring goes down, um, we're seeing Thompson kind of back where he should be to begin with. So it's not like Green is playing worse, therefore the team is having less production. They're just finding it from other places. And like we've said a couple times, I'm more than happy with Green just distributing the ball, being your energy guy, grabbing rebounds, because I think that's where he's best suited. He openly admits he's not the best shooter. He jokes about it with TV personalities from around the nation saying, you know, I'm definitely due for an air ball tonight or something like that. And so let's get the ball in Clay Thompson's hand, him shooting. And of course, we know Draymond Green does a good job of creating open shots for Clay Thompson, especially. So in this game last night, Steph Curry 
uh, for the becomes the first player ever in NBA history to make 300 three-pointers in a season. So that's that's the most ever. The Warriors have 20 games left to play. Uh, he broke his own record from last season. He had 286 made threes. He now holds the top three seasons when three-point makes in NBA history in four of the top six. Ray Allen, number four. Dennis Scott, number five. Curry, uh, back in 2013-14, had 261. This is getting kind of ridiculous. Like we, we, we just talked briefly before the podcast about how many three-pointers could Curry end up with. Assuming he plays the final 20 games, it seems a little bit ambitious to say he could make five per game and, and get to 400, but if anybody could do it, it would be him. Yeah, I think he's going to do it. No. Why not? Five a game is a lot, man. What is he averaging on the year? What? He has a quarter of the season left, and he's on track to do... I mean, he's on track to hit 400. He is. He's averaging 5.1 a game. That's higher than I thought. I guess, I guess the numbers say he's going to yes. do it. Wow. The numbers right. say he is going to hit 400. From, that's ambitious, too. It almost would be surprising if he didn't do it. Yeah. Now. If he doesn't get it, it's it's a failed, failed he's gonna season. Get, he's going to get very, very close. Sure. No matter what. I mean... 350 is basically a lock, barring an injury, right? I mean, that would mean two, two, a little over two per game for the next 20 games, which for him would be an insane slump to end the year. Right. Um, it's, I mean, it's going to be crazy. He, he's probably going to make 100 more than he did last year in what seemed like an untoppable season. Come on. Most improved player. Can, I, can we bring this up? Sure. Well, we've talked about it at points of the season. You said you can't give it to both, but I think this is this is legit, right? I mean, he's definitely the MVP. But who else? Ha- I mean, who else can we even throw into the ring of being most improved player this year? I think year? McCollum's going to. I think the general feeling is McCollum is kind of a shoe in to get it because most improved player doesn't mean most improved player. It means player who you're most surprised is playing this well. Right. right? Yep. So. Will Barton had a case for a while. He maybe he slots in as your sixth man of the year. I, I, I would be all for Curry. I'm sure he's going to get votes. I'm be interested to see how close it'll be because there's going to be a movement for that. When you're, I, I just think he's he set the bar so high that I think people see this as just kind of a nominal improvement. But in reality, I mean, if you, if you, the numbers bear it out too, I mean, it's it's obscene, especially when you look at it from the you know the volume of made threes like this for a guy who relies so heavily. I mean, when you, when you think Steph Curry, you think three pointers. A hundred more, or it could be more than a hundred than than he had last season. That's just that's crazy to me. And I think I would be fine with him winning it. I don't think he'll win it. I'd say maybe he ends up with twenty, thirty percent of the vote. I would hope so, but we're always ready to anoint the next young and greatest, and and it goes with all the awards too. So while we've been all over Curry this year, I think that people will be more than happy to give McCollum some love, and he deserves it, obviously. But I mean, I wish there was, we could do these awards in a vacuum, and you didn't have to worry about precedent or what else is going on. You know, like there, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan never should have not been the MVP, but he wasn't the MVP a couple seasons because people were sick of it. Like. To me, I, I hate that that's a thing. I think it, you should be able to look at things objectively and look at this season only, not, oh, he won the last two, let's mix it up this year. That's not what it's about. It's about this single season. And I think one thing that if you want to knock Curry, if we're going to knock him, let's knock him. Last year he had 8.5 assists per game. This year he has 6.9. Uh, so he's, he's falling off, man. He's falling off. Bad man. passer. Yeah, it's really, his career is in the twilight already. So if you're looking at something, you'd say, actually he's just changed his game. He necessarily hasn't improved it to a point where he's doing more of one thing than he's doing the other. Well, and, and the other thing is he's only playing 34 minutes. Like You have to look at it on that scale too. If he was, If he was playing even four more minutes per game, you know, like a guy like Durant or Harden, 
Is he averaging 32, 33 points per game? I messed up those numbers, by the way. I was looking at per 36. So 7.7 assists last year, 6.5 this year. Still a regression in terms of him Mm -hmm. being the starting point guard for for a team. To me, that's not so much a reflection on Curry as it is... I think the ball's maybe been in Draymond's hands a little bit more in assist situations. And Curry's also, you know, shooting more this season too. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's it's not that he's his entire game has gotten better. He's just put more focus on one area of his game than he did last year and less on mm-hmm. another. So I think if you're looking at that logic, McCollum definitely deserves the award because Curry is essentially just sliding a portion of his effort into a different area right. of his game. True shooting percentage up almost five points to 68, which for a guard is unbelievable. That's the best in the league. He has the league best PER, which would be an NBA record right now. Uh, per 100 possessions last season, he attempted 12 threes. This season, almost 16. Um, you know, in, in, while seeing similar minutes, so that's kind of where it is. You know, it's he's basically trading a possession where he maybe drives and kicks for a possession where he pulls up, and that that's really the difference for him. Assist percentage is down about five percent, still at 33, which is really really good. I mean, that's kind of that's better than where he was at when he wasn't quite this kind of shooter early in his career when they were really trying to make him more of a a true point guard. I guess so. It, I mean, look at us trying to poke holes in Curry's game. Like the really the only hole I think the true hole you can maybe bring up is the turnovers. Three point four per game isn't going to kill you, especially with as fast as, as the Warriors play. But we have seen when they lose games, the the reason they often lose is because they get sloppy. Yeah, I mean that's certainly the case. But we're we're poking holes in a wet paper right. bag, and I, I feel I feel dumb even saying when they often lose because we have six games this season to to use as that sample. So. Let's, let's shift gears away from the Warriors. Look at the other side of this game, Orlando. Um, you posed the question, do they finally have their best five players starting? And Skiles has mixed things up. Obviously, they made the moves around the deadline to kind of to shake up that core a little bit and move away from Tobias Harris. In this game, they started Jason Smith, Aaron Gordon, Alfred Payton, Victor Oladipo, and Evan Fournier. Is that the five that you like for them right now? No, obviously not. Vucevic was a late scratch, but I'm I'm just what I'm posing. I'm posing this question more generally, not just last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vucevic, Gordon, Payton, Fournier, Oladipo. We're starting to see. I think that's their best five. We've seen Oladipo off the bench at portions this season. I don't really understand that. Getting rid of Tobias, you move. You know, you uh, that which essentially allows you to get Gordon in the lineup. Um, I don't know. Would you switch out Hazonia with Fournier and say that is the one? I don't where know that he, would be the most starts over the next five years for this Orlando team? One, I like you need to get Aaron Gordon in there. That was pretty obvious, right? And we kind of joked after the dunk contest that this was that was kind of his coming out moment. But I really think his profile rose to the point where they were having a tough time as a you know a team destined for the lottery having this guy in their roster and bringing him off the bench. I think that kind of elevated him to, you know, like, hey, I'm ready to step into another role. He did start before the All-Star game a little periodically, bit. Periodically, yeah. But, yeah, periodically. But, I mean, he is a bona fide yes. starter for them playing 36 minutes I mean, a game. look at the numbers last night, 20 and 16. I mean, an athlete like that, you don't have to be great right now at this point in his career in any areas. I mean, just the way that he's able to move around at 6'10", he's going to bring something to the table, especially when it's between him and a guy like, or Sanilyasovo or Dwayne Dedman. <laughs> I don't know if I love the Fournier andor Hazonia at small forward. Both of those guys are shooting guards to me. I think they give up a little bit defensively. They give up some size when they go with those three, uh, the other two being Oladipo and Peyton. Obviously, Peyton's a good defender. Oladipo's a good defender. But I, I just think between Oladipo, Fournier, and Hazonia, you have three shooting guards for one shooting guard spot. But... 
with what they have right now, would you say that, I mean, using for right now, I guess, I mean, if, if this is your team and you're going to be a, so essentially what you, essentially what you're saying is bring back Tobias Harris. So you have a little more size and versatility. I didn't hate that fit. No, I don't, I don't think I, I'm always, I think I, I always like to praise teams that make moves like that because they're, whether they're right or wrong, they're definitive about it, and sure. they're not just going to have a guy on their roster just because they gave him a contract. If they if they looked at Tobias Harris that half season and said this is what we want to do, they traded him. They got they got their pieces, their expirings back. Whatever, move on. That's fine. That's better than just holding on to a, holding on to a guy just because you feel like you have to. But I, I think they need to clear up the shooting guard spot first, and you need to decide what position Victor Oladipo is. So they're going to have a lot of salary cap room this off season. So according to you, they need to bring in a small forward or a shooting guard here. I don't think they necessarily need to bring in a shooting guard. I think they need to maybe look at those four guys that we just talked about and decide which ones are going to be their guys. Maybe you move one of them and see what you can get back. Vucevic. A lot of people love Vucevic. Do you think you can play him at power forward? I know they haven't really been shy about making it known they want to get al horford you you wouldn't bring busevich off the bench you, you can't really can't do that i think they, they can play those two together right i suppose but what I, the, the situation i'm thinking of is like a detroit where you have drummond and greg monroe is that a fair comparison mm-hmm. i think in terms of going of is, big i think i think i think um Vucevich is a decent comparison for Monroe, but Vucevich can step out basically to the three-point line. Horford shoots threes. I think that's the difference for me is those guys can actually space. I suppose so. I it's just a dangerous notion when you have Draymond Green playing the five in today's NBA to to rock well, a yeah, Vucevic and a Horford. is. I, I don't know. I see, I'm of the opinion that you know everything is cyclical in the NBA, so at some point we could come back to a, right. uh, where you have too big, and this could be the impetus. If these guys really work out, put some good versatile mm-hmm. guards around them. So I'm not saying that it's a stupid uh, decision. I'm just saying it definitely would be a contrarian way to play NBA. Right. Well, you, you find matchups where Vucevic might become your David Lee You know, last year where you just can't have him on the floor yeah, against certain lineups. And that's the problem, I guess, with that with kind of going two centers is you can't yeah, and, you can't play them both against a smaller lineup. And you wonder, well, maybe we'll just trade Vucevic and get quite a bit back for him, and we'll be better off because what we're getting back for his contract doesn't make any sense. And so, while I'm not opposed to the 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 twin towers approach. I just don't know if it's going to be a viable option in terms of minutes played based dollar spent. Do we have a definitive enough sample from the way the league is trending the last you know three four years with the with the number of teams that have switched to smaller lineups? Do we have a definitive sample that says it's better to counter a big lineup with a small lineup than it is to counter a small lineup with a big lineup? I feel like we often see coaches if they're forced to adjust, they'll they have the team that goes small forces the other team to adjust more than the team that goes big. Yeah, we are seeing that now, and maybe that's just you know one and a half year sample size of what we're seeing like that. Yeah, but I, if you have, I mean, if if you have big guys in like an Al Jefferson, Dwight Howard, or something like that, and you simply cannot defend those guys, and you slow the ball down when you're on offense, you know, pass it around a little bit, get it down low, get it on the block, and really just take your time, you can essentially force a smaller lineup to go put in a big defender and then exploit that way. It's just that we're not, it's all about personnel. So eventually there will be a uh, a team that has the personnel to go big, play slow, where smaller teams will have to adjust. But right now, in today's NBA composition for each team, smaller lineups rule king. Right. I think I think it's harder for 
larger teams that go big to defend smaller teams for whatever reason. You know, on paper, it's no, the small team should have a really hard time defending them in the post. And the big team should have a hard time defending them on the perimeter. And I think the way that the, the NBA is shifting more toward being perimeter oriented, we see guys get exploited more often, big guys trying to keep up with small guys more often than we do small guys trying to keep up with big guys. Because a guy like Draymond Green can do both. He can defend the post and he can you know, knock down threes. He can defend the perimeter. A big guy can really only score inside and defend inside. So where do you think Chris Stapps Porzingis fits into this hole? Do you think that he... Because I think his game, obviously he steps out and shoots a three, but I think in essence his game kind of relates to going with a bigger lineup. Well, obviously, if he's playing power forward. And so I'm a little curious since he's essentially the the future of the NBA. Carl Anthony Towns is a similar player. Um, you know, if that's the future of the NBA, I think that we're kind of just going to, we're not going to necessarily gravitate towards small lineups, small lineups, small lineups. Yeah, I think both of those guys are such freaks athletically that they can kind of do both. You know, you can get away with Towns as almost your small ball center because he can step out and he's quick enough to defend. He can dribble. You know, he's not just he's not just a sluggish center that's kind of running end to end. I mean, he can he can play in both of those. And I think Porzingis is the same way once he adds a little more strength. Um, so you're going to find more of those versatile type of big guys. You know, you, maybe we, maybe we move away from the. The Hassan Whitesides, uh, you know your PJ Browns, but you don't just move away from those guys because they're incredibly valuable at certain I spots. I mean, like Ashik, a guy. I mean, Ashik was a huge commodity a couple years ago, and like he, I, if he was a free agent, I think teams would like basically only bring him on for close to the minimum at this point, right? I suppose, but there's a little bit of disdain for the, his last contract that he got where yeah. I think that everybody's like, oh, we can't do this again, we can't repeat history and make a bad mistake here, but. I don't know. Like, what do you think Al Jefferson is going to fetch? Because that's the really it's curious really one. I don't know. I think he's like Monroe to me in that if you if you sign these guys, you have to build around them. You can't just bring them in and expect them to assimilate. Yeah. I I mean, six man off the bench, is that where we're moving with big guys who can score down low? I wouldn't necessarily Greg say Greg Monroe, that. Al Jefferson sure. coming off the bench. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's Okafer exactly. that's in Philadelphia. Lot, that's a lot of it. I think they don't necessarily have to come off the bench, but they have to... They have to play only in certain lineups and against certain lineups. You can't you can't have, you know, Al Jefferson out there if Draymond Green's at the five for Golden State. It's just not going to work. So if teams are going to play that kind of style uh, against you, like there are just going to be games where a player like that's playing fifteen minutes, and that's just how it is. Fair enough. Let's talk about some big guys for the Cavaliers. Timofey Mozgov, Tristan Thompson, obviously going with the big lineups there against Memphis. Yeah, that didn't work out. Uh, what I have written here in our, our little rundown, I can't even read. Uh, this 106-103, Memphis had eight players available for this game. Two of those players were Lance Stevenson and Vince Carter. So they basically had six players, if you want to count Jarrell Martin. And this one, the Cavs fell behind early. It was still a double-digit spread for most of the fourth quarter. They finally make a run, and then Mario Chalmers... Hits a runner with about 24 seconds left. The Cavs, LeBron, has, gets a terrible look on the other end, basically just barges into traffic, then loses a jump ball. Um, I think it was against Tony Allen. And that was that, really. I mean, Kevin Love, 2 of 9 shooting. Remember, I think a couple weeks ago, I was ready to declare that Love was back and they had found a way to use him. No. I mean, this the Cavs, this is the worst loss of the season, I think, for them. 
Yeah, easily. I, I would say easily. And you're giving a lot of credit to PJ Harrison and, and Holland and Tony Allen in terms of saying sure. that those were legit players that were even options last night. Tony Allen arguably has his best game maybe of his career. That might have been the best game of his career. It's 26. 11 yeah, 11 to 17, 26 points. Uh, <laughs> three of three from the free throw five line. Steals. Good on you. Five, five steals. Uh, what a cohesive effort. You know, Waylon, uh, a couple years ago, I played a men's basketball league and we were terrible. We were very, very bad. But there was this one game where we only had four guys show up, right? And we just kind of looked at each other and we said, you know what, like, let's just play as hard as we can. And that was the closest game we ever came to winning. And it was the best we ever played. And it's kind of, I, I no, know it's a, it's a dumb example, no, but no, these, you know, these eight guys looked at each other and they said, let's do this thing. They were locked in from the beginning. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Motivation is such a huge thing in the NBA. Yep. If one team has it and the other doesn't, it doesn't matter how good one team is versus the other. There's going to be trouble just like last night. Yeah, I mean, all all credit goes to the Grizzlies for this win. Um, but I think the story here is the cat. How do you let this happen? How do you fall asleep in a game like this? I mean, they, the Raptors are right there. They're not in a position where they're able to just drop games like this. I, and the standings really are kind of the secondary thing to me. You know, I, I don't think I don't think they're clearly they're not that worried about Toronto. I, I just think if you're trying to round yourself into playoff form, this is about as bad of a sign as it gets to not be able to win a game where you're going against eight guys. who, who They were down, what, Randolph, Barnes, Conley, Conley, Gasol, Birdman, who's starting at center. I mean, they're, they're without basically their top five or six guys, essentially, outside of Tony Allen. And I, I, just, I think this reflects really, really badly um, on the Cavs, the way that they're the cohesion i guess that they supposedly were were on the way to building those first few games under lou and it, it looks like everything's kind of unraveling at a pretty bad time as they sit atop the eastern conference standing so they're you know if they fall they're not going to fall terribly far and they can figure it out before the playoffs i will say this team like crushed the they grizzlies earlier they can't figure it out how, i mean what what's going to happen over the last 20 games that they'll figure it out how well, do you i mean it's been it's been over a year and a half and they haven't figured it out well so w- let me ask this question to you cuz last week Tyron Lue came out and said we're going to rest our top 4 guys and so J.R. Smith according to Lue is their their fourth best guy now after this loss do you say nope i mean let's just get out there and play we need to figure out basketball activities i don't know it's it's tough because i don't think they want to necessarily admit that they're in this kind of rut, you know, like if you're Lou, what, I don't think you want to totally change your tune just because of this loss. What? What? I mean, Nick, we go like week to week saying uh, the house is on fire, the house is on fire. Then the next week, we're like, everybody, calm down, everybody, calm down. Like we're just as bad as everybody else, and we, you know, oh, we yeah, go when we can, can chastise. Yeah, but. I, that might even be generous. Yeah, it might be generous. As generous as saying Carter and Stevenson are actually basketball players in the right. NBA. I I don't know. I'm if you want to, the sky is falling. Go ahead and do it. But I'm sitting over here just fine. The Cavs are first place in the East. The reason why we're panicking so much, obviously, this is probably their worst loss in the last couple of years, is that. The, those dang Warriors. We're always holding them to the Warrior standards where the Warriors bounce back. Even if they have a bad loss, you know, they fight through strep throat like Draymond Green and they get it done. It's not what we have with the Cavs. There's no confidence in the Cavs anymore. You know, there's like, no with the Warriors, it would have been impossible to see the Warriors losing this game. Sure. And you could probably say that about the but Lakers. But the Lakers, though, well. yeah. 
It happens. It's 82 games. Yeah. Even the best teams in the league, like your Warriors, are going to lose eight, nine games. It's just going to happen. You're going to have off nights. The thing that I truly don't like is the bickering and the tweeting yes. after the game. So it's one thing if you lose as a team, if you lose cohesively right. badly, but it's another thing when you just exactly. push the self-destruction button. That That's a great point because when the Warriors when the Warriors lose, it's not for a lack of effort. You, I watched part of this game last night, and it was just a complete – you know, abomination. LeBron's not trying. Love's turning it over. Kyrie's turning it over like crazy. There's just it's just completely disjointed. When the Warriors lose, it's because they just don't shoot the ball well. They play the same game as they always play. They just don't shoot well. The other team has a good night. You know, like what happened against LA. They regroup. Nobody nobody seems like you know panicking. Nobody's posting Instagram videos of them screaming in a weight room. Like it's yeah. just back to business. Everybody everybody says you know what we lost. Let's get back out there. And, you know, mid first quarter last night, Andrew Bogut celebrating to the extent that he's almost blocking Steph Curry's shot as he's getting it off. So they like the Warriors can rebound from a loss and look like a team that's relaxed and confident. The Cavs, when the Cavs go out there, they look like they're, you know, playing for their lives, it seems like, in every single game and just kind of waiting for the season to be over. That's what it looks like to me. This is not a team that, when I look at this Cavs team, I think they're still going to get to the finals. They know that. LeBron, to me, when he goes to bed at night, closes his eyes and, and, and says, mm-hmm. we need to get really lucky to win this title. We're going to get there, but something's going to have to break right. Hopefully we do it because they're, they're just, there just doesn't seem to be that confidence. Right. Yeah, no, and there shouldn't be because the Warriors are the clear favorite to win the NBA championship for a second year in a row. However, this team is still the best shot to beat the Warriors. I yeah, mean, it's it just, it's at some point... That just speaks to how good the Warriors are because this team is not that good. It's it well, here's what the Cavaliers need to have. They need to have an underdog mentality, but when you have Kevin Love, LeBron James and Kyrie good. Irving on your team, it just doesn't make any sense, but they right. really truly need to feel like underdogs and I think they're struggling with themselves to realize that that's actually the case. Instead, exactly. their emotions they, they, are they just should, out there. They should be the Warriors. That that the personnel grouping they have in theory, is good enough to put up that kind of record. When you have LeBron, Kyrie, and Love, I think when they came together, that's what they thought they were going to be. You yeah. know? And I think they're struggling, even though they're 26 games over 500, they're struggling with why are we not what we thought we could be. Yeah, exactly right. So there's a lot of emotions coming out, and I think they're directed in the wrong place. They're directed at each other, as I get philosophical on you. But in reality, that's what it is. They need to band together, put their emotions, and put it towards the Warriors instead of pushing the self-destruction button. It seems so easy for us to say. I I just don't get the motivation behind these backhanded Instagram posts and comments. Like, Is it that hard to just get get your guys in a room, look at each other, and say, hey, we're all NBA all-star caliber players? Why can't we just get this worked out? It just seems like there's a cattiness, there's a resistance, yeah to, yeah, to just sitting down and hammering it out. It, it's very strange to me. Well, I think that's one thing that you would ideally like a coach to handle for you. So if we're talking best coach of all time, Greg Popovich, but like a Phil Jackson, just to come in, we've got ego clashes, but just to come in and, and you know figure it out, do his. Did you mean to say Larry Drew or did you mean Popovich? <laughs> yeah, I definitely meant right. Popovich. Say they have Larry Drew. But uh, Phil, I mean, with the NBA especially, being a great NBA coach is managing personalities and if we had somebody like that come into this Cavalier situation I mean even at the end of the days with uh, the last championship that the Lakers won with Gasol Bynum and Kobe you still had like Bynum like getting him motivated obviously he was not a very well motivated player but Phil Jackson got the best out of him they had an amazing twin tower set up with Gasol and Bynum and so 
I'm just not seeing that here from the Cavaliers. Again, that's why those coaches are great and why Tyron lose and, you know, they're yeah. just there's not a, quite a, there. There's a lack of confidence. And the last thing that I'll say in this, and I was, I was watching late in the fourth quarter, the Cavs, LeBron drove, I think, with a little over a minute left. Cavs were down one or two at the time. Maybe they, they were up one. The score was really close. He kicked it out, wide open, Iman Shumpert, perfect pass, and, you know, fumbles with the ball a little bit and then, you know, makes an extra, an unnecessary extra pass to Kyrie throws it about a foot behind him. Kyrie has to, you know, lean down, catch it, ends up missing the three. There's just last year Ramon Shumpert catches it and shoots it. Whether he makes it or not, there's confidence. And it seems like half of the Cavaliers lineup just has totally lost it. I mean, Mozgov, Love, Shumpert, those those three especially. In Milwaukee, Pau Gasol once again takes his fury out on the Bucks. Twelve points, seventeen rebounds, thirteen assists, and five blocks. Uh, got the double double late in that one, and under a minute left, had to had to get over ten points uh, with a couple of free throws. Ninth career triple double for Powell, as you note here. Hakeem Olajuwon and Demarcus Cousins, the only other players in the last thirty years to have at least ten points, ten assists, fifteen rebounds, and five blocks in a game. Yeah, and I was talking on the NBA show with. I actually got DVR laughing pretty hard today, which always makes me feel good. What kind of party would that be like? You're never going to see these three guys in any situation together ever again, grouped Elijah, Cousins, and Gasol. I mean, talk about an odd trio. Where would they want to meet up, you think? Like, Gasol would want to go to a really. A basketball fancy, court. That's oh. it. That's the only place. Yeah. True. Hakeem only seems to go to basketball courts like for hire now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cousins seems like he seems like the most kind of normal of the three. Wow, that's, that's pretty. Uh, wow. I don't know a ton about Hakeem. I guess Powell, You know, you always hear the stories. He's interested in the opera. He'd probably want to go to a fancy, swanky like sushi restaurant downtown. You think Cousins is into that? I'm not going to write him off as a. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? He might like sushi. We'll I hit him up. Him as like a country guy. I don't know. He's from like he's from Alabama. Yeah, that's true. Not a, there's not a ton of great sushi in Alabama. We'll text him later and ask him. Yeah, we'll do that. Um, but yeah, not not too much else to note from this Bulls Bucks game. Giannis, 12 points, 10 assists, gets over that 10 assist plateau again, but only five rebounds. Didn't really have much going. The Bucks very much struggled to score. It seems every time they go to the United Center. Yeah, most definitely. And of course, MCW out for the year with a hip injury, even though he had been dealing with that tendonitis in the calf. It sounds bad. I think this hip injury was maybe a result of that one or one of the other. I think that. Right. Like you start to favor, favor one side. Sure. Yeah. I'm saying, I mean, this could be four to six months. This is what's kept Wilson Chandler out for mm. what seems like forever. I can't even think of the last time he's been a consistent uh, you know, presence on the court. So. I think the the big question right away when this news came out yesterday afternoon was is have we seen the last of MCW in a Bucks uniform? Wow, yeah, I guess I haven't thought about it that far because I'm just so giddy that Giannis will hopefully be playing right. a lot of point guard for the rest of the rest of the season and and as we've seen over the last I guess five or six games, triple doubles a plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't gotten that far, but I suppose if things go right, then why would you bring him back? You know, if if Giannis is going to play point and do well, and the team is going to perform well, uh, coinciding with Giannis playing well, then I don't know why you would bring him back. You really didn't like him to begin with. If you do bring him back, you're hoping that he's slotted into a six-man role where he can provide a little bit of a scoring presence off the bench while also facil- facilitating and running the second team, whatever it may be. Um, but pretty funny that MCW and Greg Monroe at the end of the season are going to end up being non-contributors. Obviously, Monroe is contributing with 30 minutes off the bench. but Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, his minutes really haven't changed. He's just coming off the bench. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. But 
again, him coming off the bench has coincided with right. the Bucks playing better. Obviously, not last night against the Bulls. But what do you think, MCW? I, you got you, you have a far better pulse on the Bucks than I do. Yeah, it's almost convenient, and you never want to say that about an injury. But you know, with him coming back, there was going to be that dynamic of you kind of got to find minutes for him somewhere. He can't play off the ball. The nice thing about Giannis playing point is it allows Mayo to play his true shooting guard spot. Jared Bayless has been one of the better three-point shooters in the entire league this season. He's fine at the shooting guard spot. Obviously, Rashad Vaughn is as well. Carter Williams couldn't play off the ball, and he can't shoot. You just can't have him out there. He's a negative as a floor spacer. So there's going to be that issue of where do you find minutes for him. Whenever he's in there, he has to play points. You're inevitably taking minutes away from Giannis at the point. So him being out kind of gives the Bucks it buys them an extra basically 20 games of point Giannis. So you get you get the bigger sample size. I don't think they're, they've necessarily been ready to commit to this long term, but they're going to get enough of a sample, you would think, to at least have a good idea going into the summer, going into free agency. Bayless is a free agent. Mayo is a free agent. Uh, Plumley has a qualifying offer. There are a couple other guys that they'll have to make decisions on. So I think it, this will kind of help them shape where they're going to go this summer, where they're going to try to maybe build around Giannis if they do keep him at the point. It, this, a couple people joked with me on Twitter about this maybe helping his value, MCWs, that is, as a trade asset. You know, they're, they're basically saying, like, better, he's better <laughs> off being traded as an injured player than so he couldn't lower his value anymore as a player over these last 20 games, which I don't know if I necessarily buy. It's going to be tough to, you know, to, to sell a player to a team, you know, if he's, he's going to be facing four more months of rehab on a serious injury. So I don't think it'd be the worst thing if they brought him back next year. I mean, he's on the final year of his rookie deal. At that point, you can you know deal him as an expiring if you want at the next deadline, or just wait it out and you're not, you're really not missing out on anything there. Just depends if they want to try to recoup any value whatsoever. So let's finish here um, in that. I think it's a little unfair to just kind of assume that Bayless and Mayo have performed better or are better players than MCW is only because I think they fit into the Milwaukee Bucks offense far better because the Bucks need three-point shooters. Mayo and Bayless do that for them. I'm not willing to say that those two guys are better than MCW is in, in just like as a true point guard. And so if MCW does go to a different team, I'm still going to put a lot of emphasis on him in fantasy. I mean, right off the bat, when he was playing with Philadelphia, he triple-double on his very first night that he ever yeah, played in the NBA. He, he averaged something like, what, 17, 16? Yeah, six, he was incredibly good. But in terms of this Bucks offense, he just didn't fit in. He doesn't fit in. If he does come back, I think he needs to play limited minutes off the bench. And that's not necessarily saying that he's a bust in the NBA. He just doesn't fit in on a team that needs three-point shooters. And the only place they have three-point shooters are the guys that play his position behind him. I do think he's going to have a hard time landing another job as a starter anywhere in the NBA, but the Bucks really are. The personnel they have around him, it couldn't really be a worse fit for MCW's game. It would be interesting to see a team like Philly even like take yeah. another chance on oh, yeah. him or Brooklyn or whoever. Um, it, but you could all, I could also see him thriving as kind of a the next Sean Livingston type of player if he's able to diversify his game a little bit because he is a good passer when he's under control which is you know about 40 percent of the time a good rebounder for his size a good defender there he's not a guy that's just going to fall out of the NBA by any means he, he hasn't been a good fit in Milwaukee his value is way down and rightfully so but I'm with you I think he in the right situation he could he's not going to ever be a great NBA player but he could be a very good contributor uh, for a good team I think if, if they are able to tailor you know position groups around him that kind of fit his skills. Yeah, most definitely. Going to any games? You going to go to any remaining NBA games this year? Uh, I'll probably I'll probably catch a, a Bucks game or two down the stretch. 
I don't know. It's been I'm I'm not as inspired to to go watch this team as I would have been at the beginning of the year or even at the end of last year. You know, went to went to a playoff game and that was a good time, but I don't think they're going to be doing that this year. I do want to go catch the new blimp though. The blimp. I got a new blimp. The Bucks. The Bucks do. Yeah. So their old blimp was uh you know it was blimp shaped. You know your your typical I don't know it, oblong sphere. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Oblong sphere is a good way to describe it, I guess, like a football shape. And then it had Bango riding on top of it, like straddling it, kind of. Oh, right. I do remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But their new one is just, it's like a huge Bango. This is a giant deer. Uh, you know, it's updated with the new jersey, of course. And he's kind of doing a Superman pose. Nice. Uh, with the, the fist out there. So there's, there's photos all the time of fans. You know, they fly pretty low. So the fans in the upper deck can, like, fist bump Bango. Are you serious? It's been getting great reviews. Uh, Jeremy at, at Bucksketball is, is pretty into the new blimp. And he's he's gotten up close and personal a couple times and said it's it's really great. Well, I don't think the fine people at SeatGeek have the Bango route mapped quite yet. But I will say that when I do go to a game, because I – plan to go over there i'm going to use sea geek to get all of my tickets you mr media man does bango does bango fly over you in the media yeah he does actually the media section that i usually sit in at the bradley center is right by one of the tunnels so it's right. where they actually park the bango blimp so between you know if they have to it prints off like coupons and yeah. things like that and it'll drop you know you know little cush balls or whatever you want to call them and it, it so it parks, you know, it has to reload every now and then, and it parks right next to the media. So it kind of it like ominously will lower <laughs> down, and like everybody's like ducking, like it's gonna hit them or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, I haven't had a chance to really, you know, examine it, I guess. But uh, the media section is, is about as close and up close and personal as you can really get to it. Fair enough. If you're looking to get that close, or even a little closer, because there's some courtside seats to be had, head over to SeatGeek. Of course, our listeners can get a $20 rebate on tickets. All you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app. Go to settings once you download that app and click on add a promo code, enter promo code RWNBA is the promo code we're using, I believe. You can also use RWMLB. Yeah, I think you know at this point both both promos will give you the same thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, RWMLB, RWMBA, of course the RW I assume stands for Rotowire. Yep, and so MLB would be the MLB podcast. But you know we're friends here. We love the MLB podcast guys, uh, even though we're the NBA podcast guys. Once again, that's SeatGeek, and they will send you twenty dollars after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter, enter promo code RWNBA or RWMLB. Most sites make it complicated. They try to sneak in the huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports concert tickets. I haven't been to an event non-media in a while, so I don't buy that many tickets. Oh, but I did use humble brag. Well, no. I mean, it's not like I'm going to all these events as media. I'm not going to that many. Um, but the last time I did use SeatGeek was the Final Four last year okay. in Wisconsin. And the great thing about it was it was we bought tickets the morning after. I'm sure you were probably in the same situation, kind of waking up in a haze after the Kentucky win. <laughs> that was on a f- Saturday night. I was right? actually in Europe, so I was waking up in so a haze. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. Um, that's right. I forgot you. You actually said you watched it at a... I walked it at a bar in Rome, and when I walked into this bar, it was like 4 a.m., obviously. I walked in, and there were like 10 Badger fans there. And I look around, and there was this girl I had a class with. Basically, every Badger fan studying abroad in Rome was at this bar. It was an amazing experience to watch that Kentucky game 
Yeah, it was pretty great. Did you use SeatGeek to get into the bar? or I should have. I could have had a better spot closer to the kitchen, <laughs> right. but, you know, next time. You yeah, live and but, you learn. Right, but I was saying, so I woke up, you know, we, I was back home in Green Bay watching uh, the Kentucky game. So that was a Saturday night, which I don't love the national championship game being on a Monday. You yeah. know, it is what it is. Nothing, Nothing's really going to change uh, with that. But so we woke up Sunday morning and, you know, it's like noon, one o'clock. And just, just for fun, I was like, yeah, let's, let's see what tickets are. I was thinking they would be exorbitant you know but also kind of forgetting that it's at lucas oil which is such a huge venue that it's almost you know it's so tough to actually sell something out like that so we checked and yeah SeatGeek had price i think we ended up getting them for it's like 120 bucks that's pretty solid mid-level which you know i guess which would be the equivalent of a 200 level seat at a normal arena you know so we weren't going to pay 500 dollars for you know the the 100 sections or whatever which were basically sold out but SeatGeek had a lot of options we actually called SeatGeek. Uh, I was, I was, I remember being very paranoid that we were going to get, uh, you know, like some sort of like false tickets or whatever. I'm like, cause this is, you know, SeatGeek wasn't that big a year ago. Uh, so I had to call him like, Hey, just making sure like these are legit and everything. Right. And they're like, yes. So the offer was like, like too good to be true. Right. Exactly. We got four tickets at this price right next to each other, which <laughs> we're just like, no way. This is crazy. The game's in like 40 hours <laughs> and everything worked fine. We downloaded the tickets on our phone. Uh, didn't even have to worry about you know losing them. That was a very big concern for me uh, throughout the day. Scanned them. That was that. Minutes after getting in, met David Robinson. He Are was you all, serious? He was wearing Duke gear. Very uh, disappointed in that. Why would he be? Oh, his son. His son. Because like he went to great. Army. Right. Uh, I'm learning my alma Navy. I'm learning my alma maters. Right. Apparently not that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's SeatGeek, and it's a good site and an, or a good app, I guess. Site and an app. So like you said, download the free app. Go to the settings tab. <laughs> Add a promo code RWNBA. Let's play a little bit of NBA Would You Rather. Do you want to alternate these? these? I figured I would ask you first and then okay. I'd maybe give my take. But if you want to alternate or just pick whichever ones you want to ask me, that's fine too. We'll, we'll kind of fly by the seat of our pants here. Would you rather, uh, and this is based on kind of reports that came out I think last week, would you rather have Jimmy Butler or the Brooklyn pick? Jimmy Butler 100 times over. If you're the Celtics? Yeah. Okay. You? So I think, well, the reported offer was what that Ainge was trying to get Butler for the Brooklyn pick and one of their other picks, whether it would be their own or I think they own, is it Memphis's? Some, it would basically have been either a late or a mid-round, mid-first round, mm-hmm. uh, late lottery, mid-first round pick, plus the Brooklyn pick for Butler. Chicago <laughs> says no. I think Chicago made the right move. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I would take Butler. You don't know. Rookies are, you don't know what you're going to get right. in rookies. I'm always going to take a proven commodity oh, every single time, especially when Butler's only been in the league like four years. He's hitting his stride right and now. And he just signed a long-term deal that's going to look pretty good. Yes. What if you're, what if the Celt, or what if you're the Sixers and you had these pick options? Would you deal, or yes, you do basically have these pick options. Would you deal two of your high picks for Butler? Because the Sixers to me are on a little bit of a, different developmental timeline they're, they're, you know their assets are a little bit younger boston could add a guy like jimmy butler and be a real contender oh in the yeah East, whereas philadelphia jimmy butler makes them a lot better but he might not even make them a playoff team man with boston that team is great because again He's such a good fit for them he, but they would also so maybe have good. to move one of turner smart bradley see ya well sure <laughs> but i don't think they're, they're ready to necessarily just toss one of those guys out the door well see the big concern for boston is when they do finally decide to bring somebody in they need to fit in with a defensive dynamic they can't screw that up jimmy butler is your poster child for helping you on both sides He's of the like ball all of the good things of those guys we just mentioned wrapped into one one player. and even a little bit better yeah i think he would have been such a good fit for them kevin love i think kind of remains their the guy they're keeping the most eye on and uh, i think defense. he could be a fine fit but butler 
I think Butler would be such such a good fit. And the thing is, you could then turn around, and if it's if you say, you know, right, you know what, Avery Bradley, we just don't have room for you. You turn around, you can flip him for another asset. Exactly. Uh, I would have Jimmy Butler pretty much for any any team than this pick. Um, I. Butler is amazing. He's one of the best players in the league already, and he's just now on the upswing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think I think he's almost still underrated on the whole. uh, The way the Chicago team has kind of floundered a bit this year. All right, would you rather be the best player for the Seventy Sixers or be maybe the eighth best player, be Leandro Barbosa for the Warriors? So this is kind of the Dion Waiters conundrum, if you will. Oh, I've uh, stayed awake many nights thinking of the Dion Waiters conundrum. I would rather. This is tough. I'd rather be the best player on the Sixers. So I'd rather take the James Harden route. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, maybe would it, would it matter if I said you were like the fourth best player on the Warriors? Would you rather be Andre Iguodala or the best player on the Sixers? Oh. I don't want to say Nerlens Noel. Like you, you'd be a, you'd be a pretty big you'd be a bigger name in this hypothetical sure. than Nerlens Noel. You'd be like a you'd be like James Harden being on the Sixers. Yeah. Wow. I think I think it comes down to personality at this point because obviously a personality like Harden wants the limelight, wants to be out there. But somebody this is you though. This is DJ. I know. Trainer. I'm trying to dis- you're, but you're just like slightly better at basketball than you are now. <laughs> just a little bit. This is tough. Your future depends on this. I've never been like the best player on the basketball court once, so I don't even know how that feels. Um, I would, I'd still want to be the best player on a bad team. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, Team Dion. Hey, there's no surprises. Looking at your game, you would happily be the best player on a crap team. Oh, absolutely. And you usually That's are. Baby. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> I would, well, let's not get into this. But would you rather? Play with James Harden or for Byron Scott? <laughs> Man, you really put me through the ringer here. I'd rather play with James Harden. That guy can draw a foul, uh, draw a foul on a statue. Um, I would, I would like to witness that. Um, I don't think he's quite as bad of a guy to play with as people make it out. Like he, he is a willing passer. It's not like he's pa- he doesn't necessarily miss open teammates. He just he shoots a lot, but he also draws a lot of fouls. Like he's not really wildly inefficient or anything. I think. I think he can be a tough guy to play with just because the ball is in his hands so much and he's kind of he's kind of making every decision offensively but if you're comfortable being a good spot-up shooter or you know a guy who can finish inside you you can still make a fine living playing alongside James Harden. Western Conference Finals last year, right. obviously the team was just fine. I think it can be frustrating though, especially at the NBA level with in the NBA, almost everybody at one point in their life, for, or for most of their life, has been the guy, whether it's on their high school team, their college team, on a team they were on beforehand. I think it can be hard, and we, we're seeing this with Dwight, you know, because James Harden, the way he plays, he kind of has to be the center of the offense, and it's, it's hard to maybe not be that guy, especially if you've been that your whole life. Yeah, playing for Byron Scott, although I keep getting... I even consider that. I know. Well, what I keep getting drawn back to is that he coached Chris Paul and Tyreek Evans during their rookie years when they were pretty he solid. He didn't coach Tyreek Evans, did he? He didn't? Uh, when was he ever the Kings coach? Oh, good call. <laughs> I don't know who the coach was. was it, okay, I might, be, I might be trying to think of somebody else. I don't know. I get caught up by... Uh, his, his past coaching history is not bad David in terms... West, maybe? Yeah. Before, <laughs> maybe those guys. Yeah, throw out that, throw that fact I just threw out there and make sure you don't think it's a fact. But... Um, no, I yeah, I don't want to play for Byron Scott. I don't I want to be anywhere near that guy. All right. Would you rather 
So this is we'll we'll say that you're running your favorite team or a team. Would you rather draft a 22 or 23 year old proven you know three four year college player like a Buddy Heald or chance it on a 19 year old one and done who has more potential but is unproven? So basically, what the Wolves did with Zach Levine last year. So a lot of people like to say. Um, you know, let's get them when they're 19. We'll have them forever because that's what Kobe Bryant did. And he's going to be, you know, statues and all this stuff. Rarely do you ever have a player on your team for the duration of his career these days, right? So, in, Especially in this economy. Especially in this economy, exactly right. So I'm taking the 22, 23-year-old who's a lot more mature. I'm taking your Frank Kaminsky's. I'm taking your Zellers. I'm taking your, maybe not all the Zellers, um, your well, Buddy Hilds. Yeah. Maybe not any of the Zellers, actually. Zeller, well, Tyler Zeller and Cody Zeller, I think both came out. Cody came out as a sophomore. Zeller was a junior, I believe. Right. So he's, he's a decent example. For but some reason, I just lumped Heald's him in there. He's kind of the guy I'm thinking of. Because like, the, if Buddy Heal was a freshman this year, he would probably be the number one pick. Like, he's right. Been, his numbers have been that good. And that's not a knock on Simmons or Ingram. But he's, I mean, the numbers are ridiculous. But he's a senior, and the biggest knock on him is... You know, he's four years ahead of his development compared to a guy, you know, like those two freshmen we just mentioned. Whatever. Well, I say, what I say to that is whatever. You still have six, seven, eight years of prime basketball playing. How I mean, if we did a census and we looked at all the NBA players, how many players had actually been on the team they were drafted by for the first eight years of their career? It's going to be very, very small. So I don't get this junk about you know player level potential all this stuff but the thing that you know i'm caught up on is the draft is all about potential it's all about potential that's what you're drafting on everyone gets caught up in it so obviously you get a little more gaga of a 19 year old who's performing the same as a 22 year old would be yeah exactly and i think that there is something to be said for the position that your franchise is in um if you're the sixers maybe you you I could understand it a bit more to take the younger guy just because you're on a longer developmental timeline. And, you know, if you're OKC or the Warriors, you want a guy who can maybe step in and provide some relief when a guy like Harrison Barnes leaves, stuff, stuff like that. So then that's those are some things you have to consider. But I'm with you overall. 22 years old, the guy's not coming into the league at 29. You know, 22 yeah. years old, you, he's going to have minimum of like seven good years, you know, and and you're assuming, I guess, that he's with you for all those years. I, I just think there's a little bit too much put into age. The only thing that I guess you could say is that you're watching this guy as good as he's ever going to be, which I think is still a dumb thought. But I think that's the thought is that this is as good as he's going to be. Do we want this exact player on our team for the next five years? Whereas you look at a 19-year-old and say, we'll bring him in here. We'll coach him up. We're going to make him even better than he already is. And he's pretty good to begin with. Yeah, that's true. And I think that that is kind of the prevailing belief, it seems, among most scouts. Would you rather get dunked on by Kristaps Porzingis or have your ankles, you know, we're talking really bad, uh, broken by Stephen Curry? Uh, I'll take Porzingis all day long because when you do get dunked on, you know, you kind of look stupid and you're in the post or whatnot. But I don't think it's as bad as Curry. I mean, Chris Paul will live in infamy of his just kind of doing his uh, twister board down there underneath the hoop. I mean, that's that's going to live forever. That one was tough, too, because he kind of got tripped, but it didn't matter. The, no, the no, did no, no. And, and, it was, and it was over. I think I would rather get my ankles broken because there's a risk of getting hurt. Porzingis would actually injure me if he dunked on me. I would not get back up. Okay, I can say that with confidence. And you're you're mini Perzingis, so I think that he would have, uh, sure. you know, he would go soft on you. You guys Not look as many alike. People have been calling me that as I would like, but it'll catch on. Would you rather build your franchise around Damian Lillard or Andre Drummond? <laughs> Interesting question. We've talked about Lillard compared to a lot of other point guards on this podcast quite a bit. I would say Lillard. 
I think a lot of Drummond's ability to produce points, um, not rebounds, is Reggie Jackson with the pick and roll offense and giving him lobs and stuff like that. I'm not sure that I love the staple of my franchise needing a decent point guard around for him to be relevant. That's a good argument. The positional scarcity argument, you know, for point guards, it's, it's just easier to find a replacement value. Sure. Um, the thing with Drummond is he's three years younger. We just got done saying how much age doesn't matter. But in this scenario, when they're already established players, I think it does kind of matter a little bit when you, you actually know what they're going to be. And, and I mean, three years. Drum, the fact that Drummond is 22 seems ridiculous to me. He doesn't turn 23 until just before next season. Seems like he's been around way too long for that. Kid still has braces. He does. I, how long has he had those, too? He seems like he's had those Sometimes for a while. it takes a while, you know. Right, yeah. I mean, not everybody has great teeth. It is what it is. Um, I think I would rather build around Drummond. I think he's we, – we talked earlier about, you know, the lack of versatile centers, you know, and how that might be dying. I think he's such a talent and so athletic that even though he can't shoot and can't defend the perimeter, he's so good that, you, you know, you, it kind of offsets – that lack of ability but at the same time you know we're seeing Lillard have that's an unbelievable exactly season. right at the beginning of this year I would have said Drummond but after watching this year because I've been more surprised than anybody else at the success the Blazers have had you know what he can put a team on his back and he can take them to the playoffs I'm thoroughly surprised I'm not so sure that Andre Drummond can do that I think the Pistons success is more of Van Gundy having team cohesion more so than anything whereas Lillard you give him a good coach and just a few spare parts because that's essentially what their starting five is this year Mm -hmm. Um, and he's going to do good thing he's going to do great things do you think if you swapped it's it's not a perfect swap but you swap Drummond for Lillard um and then that creates issues with thirty. It would be one of the of worst course, teams in like the league. It'd be the Blazers. The Blazers would be one of the worst teams in the league if you yeah. swap Drummond for Lillard. And I think that's the that perfect really... way to look at this, though. But but yeah, but it but like you create two point guards who are borderline all stars in Detroit. And like, how does that work out? I, I I don't know. I think what if you swapped Reggie Jackson for Damian Lillard? This goes totally away from the question. But is Detroit a lock for the playoffs if they have Lillard instead of Jackson? Trying to think how he'd fit in with Van Gundy. Essentially, it would be Reggie Jackson, but a much better shooter than right. Reggie because Reggie jacks up too many shots. He's gets always getting scolded. Yeah, gets they both can get to the hole. Yeah, that's neither here nor there, I guess. All right, would you rather have Giannis, Wiggins, or Towns for the next ten years? Uh, Towns. Yes. I think it's pretty clear here. I'd go Towns, Giannis, Wiggins. Everybody's yep. kind of a little scared at Wiggins right now. He's putting up good points considering he's only been in the league for a year and a half. But at the same time, that potential that we love to talk about is slowly falling and slowly yeah. following every more minute that he's on the court. I think it would have been start of the season. It was consensus Wiggins over Giannis, I think, uh, at least outside of the greater Milwaukee area. And I think that's very much shifted. And I think you'd have a hard time finding a lot of people who would say uh, Wiggins over Giannis at this point. But there's no debate that Towns is number one of those three. All right. Would you rather, this will be the last one, would you play for one team your entire career but never win a championship? So follow the Reggie Miller route, we'll say. Or bounce around a little bit, be a bit of a journeyman, but end up getting a championship with a team that you only played for for that season. So Rasheed Wallace. Sure. Reggie... Reggie is beloved by national media, well, just because he's kind of a likable guy for the most part. A I lot of people don't like Reggie. him. Yeah, he's he's pretty likable. Um, 
I'd want to do it in a city that I like really like though. Cause Reggie's an LA guy. He went to UCLA. He lives in LA now. And while it's awesome that he's beloved by the town of Indianapolis, it's not like he's posting up shop there and living off his fame forever. So I don't know. It'd be, it would depend on the city for me. Cause me being a Midwestern guy, if I like did that in Miami, I wouldn't necessarily want to live in Miami for the rest of my life. So I'd what? rather, I would of rather want to tie to not want to live. That is like the place I would want to live. Oh, I love Miami, but it's more, I'm, I'm just like hating on all our listenership right now. Just pick your city, your home city, your home city. Don't like where would it. You, where would you want to play then? If you're, if you're going to be this career guy, where would it be? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I like to move around a lot. So I'm going to pick the championship and the moving around. Okay. Bonus question. I, I just thought of this now. Would you rather be um, like the best undisputed best player in the franchise's history? So kind of like the kind of KD, I guess it's, not, it's maybe not undisputable at this point with if you want to count Gary Payton in, in Seattle. Uh, but would you rather kind of be the guy, the identifier for a team? So basically what Reggie Miller is, I guess, for the Pacers or, you know, we talk about KD going to sign with the Lakers. Would you rather just be another great player for a team that's had a bunch of great players? I always I find this kind of fascinating because this is this would be a big question for me. If you're that good of a player where your legacy is going to carry on and on, you know, do you want to just be, you know, an, another one of 10 awesome players who has a statue outside of Staples? Yeah, I, th- I think, I you know, I think I'd take the Reggie Miller route in this particular scenario because he's the man. He's the, he's the best pacer of all time. Um yeah, I'd go the Reggie Miller route. Um, like Kobe is great, but you know it's so funny. It's like, is he even the best Laker of all time? I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, he exactly. could have played on basically any other team. You argument for like four other Lakers that might be better than him or as good. Right. So, what are some teams really needing a hallmark player? Bucks. Well, I mean, who's their best player ever? Sidney Moncrief, baby. He very well might be. In all, yeah. I mean, Jack Sigma. Ray Allen. Well, even him, it's like Ray Allen left there on bad terms. He was, he's never going to identify as a buck. Kareem, same way. You know, there are a lot of teams. I mean, the T-Wolves have KG, I guess. But even that, you know, he went and won elsewhere. There are, there are certainly teams in need. So whenever you're ready, I think you can step in and they'll, they'll be ready to take you in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll dust off the old sneaks and I'll get to it soon enough. All right, do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix has something for you. It's used by more than 75 million people worldwide. Wix makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made, customizable templates to choose from. The drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or a designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that is where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and it's free. Go to Wix, that's W-I-X.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Also, Feel free to head over to rotowire.com forward slash pod to get 10 days of access to the website. Baseball season is coming up. And, you know, if you're more of an NBA fan, but you love fantasy so much that you're jumping into MLB, um, I know me and Nick probably need some help with some MLB teams we're going to, or MLB leagues we're going to be joining this year. Feel free to head over to rotowire, get your, your customized pre draft rankings all set. Once again, free 10 days access, rotowire.com forward slash pod. I've heard good things about that site. Rotowire? Yeah. It's great. 
I've, I've heard, heard it's heard great. It. One um, day I'll jump on there. Yeah, someday I'll check it out. Um, let's get to trivia. So last night, LeBron moved into 13th place all time in scoring, 26,404 points. Did it on a, a nice lefty dunk uh, from under the basket. It was quite thunderous. Which of the following players is he yet to pass but will likely do so by the end of the season, barring any sort of injury situation? Allen Iverson, Elgin Baylor, Dominique Wilkins, or Reggie Miller? I'm going to say yes to Baylor and Wilkins. Yes in that what? Like yes. Oh. Which, which player has he not already passed? Oh, so there's only one answer here. He's passed three of them already. Oh, okay. So I'll say that he's passed Iverson already. I will say that he has passed Dominique already. He is not. So Dominique boom. Wilkins is 12th. Okay. So LeBron's uh, roughly 250 points behind Dominique. So that should come within the next 10 or so games. Sure. He could get as high. I did the math. If he averaged 27 points and played the rest of the Cavs 20 games this season, he could be knocking on the door uh, of Hakeem, who's number 10. So... He's going to have a chance to be the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. It's, it's going to take some serious longevity, though, and I'm not sure he's going to get there. I mean, Kareem's 38,387 is a pretty close to untouchable to me, I guess. I mean, it, he played for so long and at such a high level. I just don't know if we're going to see a player be able to do that. Yeah, I just got disturbed by that notion and bumped, my, bumped into my mic, if you heard that on air. I will say... I want him to get it just because I've seen his whole career and I want to see it happen before my eyes. But the only problem and why I think it probably won't happen is, you know, and we're talking in six years, if he's still playing then, he has to transition into a role where he's a spot-up shooter from beyond the arc, and that's not anything he's ever been. And so while it could work for, like, a Kobe to just, like, Kobe could play a couple more years and play 15 minutes as a spot-up shooter in the corner, right? He could if he wanted to. LeBron, that's what he'd need to do to just kind of, like, sucking a few more points to get that record. Yeah. It's just not within his wheelhouse. And you wonder, you know, once the legs go, once the knees go, where is his game going to go? Because it's explosion is the hallmark of his game. Exactly, and that was never really the hallmark of Kareem's game. He, he had the right. size, you know. He went to the sky hook later. So unless LeBron develops his own sky hook uh, or becomes, you know, a really post-oriented player, which is tough to see because you still take quite a bit of a beating doing that. Um, you know, the way the way that he's built and the way that he plays, he Kareem was more of a finesse post guy. You know, he wasn't taking he's a ton of a lot content. of leverage, right. extension, LeBron that kind of thing. Kind of the more bully type of player. So that I do think we're going to see a fairly rapid decline with LeBron at some point. I'm not a belie- of the belief that he's really on that decline quite yet. I think it's just the issues they're having in Cleveland. Like if he was still in Miami and, and everybody was still healthy with them, I think we'd still get a, a few more vintage LeBron seasons. And really, this season has been. I mean, he's shooting around 50%. You can't really knock him. But I think like at some point, if he once he gets to 34 or 35, there's, there could be kind of a Vince Carter-esque you know, drop-off for him where I don't think he ever becomes you know, an end-of-the-bench guy like Vince because his, his basketball IQ and his passing are, are so high that he'll still be really, really valuable. But he does rely a lot on athleticism, and at some point that's going to start to wane. What's important for him to catch that all-time record is the next three years yep. and him to average far more than 20 points so that when he's lingering, um, he can average 14 points a game and still be on track to break right. the record. You don't wanna, if he's actually going for this record, you don't want to be – 
age 38 and have to average 22 a game to try to get there yeah no most definitely so the next three years are crucial that he's averaging at least 23 a game something like that to to put him on pace for playing the next eight years I did the math not that long ago um, and it's definitely possible but that decline is is certainly looming the biggest thing is going to be injuries and that's what it always is really for things like this is if you can stay healthy you're going to have a pretty good chance to do it and if you can keep that that motivation I guess to to stick around long enough who's the active player with the most career turnovers active player hmm uh, mcw has played for what three years now <laughs> okay he's not the answer i i mean i'm gonna have to say andre miller no it's not andre miller he's up there though he should be he's been in the league a long yeah, time he's, got he's the lifetime he's, achievement i think he's top 15 assist leader in the ever yep um so one guy's got about 500 more than anybody else it's kind of obvious once you think of it i'm sure okay yeah, it's just blatantly obvious. We're dealing with a point guard here? Eh, hmm? no. Maybe at the end of games. He was never much of a passer. Okay. Duly noted, as I think about this. Feel free to scream into your radios at home. Yeah, don't turn that radio dial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jason Terry. Kobe Bryant. Oh, Kobe Bryant. wow. And okay. He's going to get over 4,000 turnovers by the end of the season. He's only uh, 13 away as we record on this Tuesday. Paul Pierce is number two among active players. Duncan, three. LeBron is four. He's going, he's he's going to, to overtake Kobe, Kobe, I should say, at some point. Garnett is five. Andre Miller, six. Dwayne Wade, seven. So he might be up there when it's all said and done. Dwight Howard's number eight. Which seems like everybody on this list is has either played until they're you know thirty eight, thirty nine, like Duncan and, and Garnett, or they're basically a guard who handles the ball. And then you have Dwight Howard. Lots of traveling and offensive fouls, offensive perhaps. Foul. Yeah, it's, I wish they had the NBA kept you know active leaders and charges taken. It would be like Ursan, <laughs> Ursan, yeah, forty five thousand. Number two is like two hundred fifty. Um, okay, which player has the most career twenty ten games, twenty points, ten rebound games? active player uh in a career no oh in a career and the data only goes back to 1983 mind you okay Shaq. he's number two had 101 fewer than our number one guy double double machine top five scorer all time carl malone carl malone all right 706 career 20.10 20.10 talk about longevity for him Seriously. too wow all right who is the most 2010 games this season for rebounds yes uh demarcus cousins demarcus cousins is correct he's 34 next closest is davis with 25 he has 34 2010 games yeah i suppose that's his average so that right. makes yeah, sense that almost seems low actually yeah um all right who is the most career 20.10 assist games Again, going back only to 1983. And this is crazy because this is a bit of a hint. The guy who did this was playing before 1983. So there are four or five seasons here that weren't even counted. Scott Skiles? (laughs) Like that answer? I don't think he was playing before 1983. Oh, man. Big name. Big time name. John Stockton? bigger name bigger name wow that sounds crazy yeah it is magic magic johnson okay magic johnson and again so who knows i mean he came into the league in 79 
Sure. 79, I think. So there's yeah, three, late four 70s. seasons that weren't counted. Isaiah Thomas is number two on this list. Stockton, three. Chris Paul is number four. So he'll have a chance. He'll have a chance to get there. I mean, it's going to take a couple more elite seasons, but he should easily be able to get past Isaiah and Stockton. Sure. Um, so same, we'll use the same format as we did for the last one. So who is the active leader this season? Just this season in twenty point ten assist games. So Rondo is always in consideration when you're talking about assists, but he doesn't score the points that you'd like to see him score. Draymond Green is also pretty high on assists and points, but he's taken a backseat. Um I mean I guess I'll say Chris Paul. That is incorrect. Okay. James Harden? That is incorrect. Could do this all day. Harden's number three, Paul. Well, they're actually tied for third with 11. It is a point guard. Okay. Hmm. In fact, the top six guys on this list are point guards until you get to LeBron at seven. Uh, Russell. 29 games of 20 and 10. Wow. This season for Russell Westbrook, 20 points, 10 assists. John Wall's number two. Oh, that has been a better guess, yeah. All right, we'll finish out this segment of trivia. Most career 20-10-5 games. 20 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Is this back to 83 as well? This is back to 83, yes. Hmm. 20 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. This is a tough one. It is tough. Essentially, like, who had the most triple doubles over the last... Not necessarily triple doubles, but... Yeah, I mean, just it's just more about, I think, getting to 5 assists. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So it's, I mean, the top uh, 7 guys on the list are power forwards. Larry Bird? Close. He's, pro- he's a casualty of... The data only going back to 83. He came in the same year's Magic. The career leader is actually still active. So there's a hint. Oh, Duncan. Nope. No, huh? He's at seven on the list, which is actually kind of surprising. Oh, maybe LeBron James. Nope. He's number six. Still active, huh? He doesn't really play very much. I don't even know the last time he's actually played, but he is active. <laughs> I don't know, man. Kevin Garnett, oh, 143 yeah. games of 2010 okay. and 5, which sure. is by far the most. Charles Barkley is number two. And the active leader this season is, would not have guessed this, but. You would not have guessed this? I mean, it's not super surprising, but it wouldn't have been my guess. I would have, I would have said Cousins. Okay. Um, Gasol? No, very good guess. He's number two. Power Mark. <laughs> Oh, pal. Okay. Uh, I was actually guessing Mark. So Mark's only had two games yeah. this year. I think if you go back last couple of seasons, he's been very good in that regard. But um, Anthony Davis. Kevin Durant. Oh, yeah. Okay. Kevin Durant, 12 games of 20, 10, and 5. Davis only has one, which is shocking. Well, I guess yeah, his totals haven't been there. Yeah, his totals haven't been there, period, this year. All right, we'll bring back uh, a segment of trivia from last week real quickly. Which team did this guy not play for? Vince Carter. Which of these teams did he not play for? The Nets, Magic, 
Nuggets, Mavericks, Suns. Again, I'm trying to think of all your jerseys that I've seen you wear. Um, so I know that he's, I don't even want to say, I know he's played for the Nets and the Mavs, obviously. Yes. So I've got the Magic, Nuggets, and the Suns. Huh. I'll say that he has not played for the Nuggets. He has not played for the Nuggets. Yes. All right, hot streak, keeping it going. Anton Jameson, which of the following teams has he not played for? The Mavericks, the Warriors, the 76ers, the Cavaliers, and the Lakers. I'll say the 76ers. Also correct, two for two. I'm weirdly good at this for no reason at all. Al Harrington. Really throwing a name at you here. Which of these teams has Al Harrington not played for? The Hawks, the Pacers, the Warriors, the Celtics, and the Nuggets. Warriors. No, he was on the We Believe team. All right. Uh, Oh, do you have another guess? The Nuggets. Incorrect. All right. I have no more guesses left. He has not played for the Boston Celtics. Okay. All right. Wow. How did you not know that, dude? Wow. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, Mike Bibby. Love me some Mike. Rockets, Knicks, Heat, Hawks, or the Grizzlies? One of the best jerseys of all time is a busy, Bibby Grizzlies jersey. All right. That so indigo, indigo blue or green, whatever you want to say. I'm going to say teal. I'll say Rockets. Correct. He had that great cameo, or those great cameos, I guess, for all three of those other teams. Yeah. Uh, the Hawks. And then, of course, he went and shot 28% from the field for the Heat as they lost to Dallas in the playoffs. Uh, and then I think he only played like a half a season for the Knicks before there was a mutual uh, agreement that he should probably retire. Ron Artest, the, the small forward formerly known as Ron Artest, I should say. Rockets, Clippers, Knicks, Bulls, Kings. Wow, I'm like super surprised by this list. I, I will admit I was a little bit surprised by a couple of these. Yeah, he's he's been around. Yeah. Huh. It's not an easy one. I want to say, I'll say the Knicks. I know he's a hometown guy, and so I'm thinking maybe you're throwing that in that one in there to tip me off or to. No, he's I'm played saying, for the Knicks. He's played for the Knicks? Okay. He's, he played for the Knicks pretty recently, I think. Let me bring it up. Yeah, okay. he uh, he was with the Knicks two seasons ago. I'm pretty stumped by this. this is, I'm, I thought I was going to get this one, but then I looked at the teams, and I have no idea. Uh, Clippers. Yes. Okay. So he was drafted by Chicago. Yeah, year, I, I did know that. Half in Chicago, then went to Indiana, then Sacramento, then Houston for a year, then the Lakers, won those two titles, went to New York, went to China, and then, of course, back with the Lakers this year. So that was still pretty good overall. I mean, Al Harrington's a tough one. I feel solid about my performance there. Thank you. All right, final one. Excluding foreign players, so Porzingis, Hazonia, Moutier. Um, who is the only player selected in the lottery this year that did not go to a Power 5 school? Um, so we had Okafer, definitely a power school. Yep. And Duke. We had D'Angelo Russell, uh, definitely a power school. At Ohio State. A lot of Kentucky guys. A lot of Kentucky guys in there. Um, in the lottery. Oh, Cameron Payne is not quite in the lottery. So, no, I won't say him. Miles Turner, Texas. Can I bring up a draft list or is that not fair? 
Well, see, Cameron Payne actually was in the lottery. Oh, okay. So okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what should I, what should I respond to this? Wait, he was in the lottery? Yeah, he was 14th. That's what the Thunder drafted this year was 14th? It wasn't their pick, but yeah. Oh, that's okay. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. So, yeah, there you go. Campaign. Well Sweet. done. Sweet. All right, that just about does it for us. Uh, anything else that you want to plug? Tennis podcast still in the works? Still in the works. There might be some news uh, coming down the pipeline later on that. Otherwise, just hold off and uh, we'll get, get around to it soon enough. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.